Today is Friday, March 19th, 2010, and you are listening to Make It So. Phase 2 is well underway now that challenge number 5 is in the books and both teams have submitted their visions of the Zindi. I am Charlie Plain, welcome to the Make It So podcast. With me as always is Mr. Neil Timmons and joining us again today is John Corbett and we will be taking a first look at the Zindi cards for both the Borg and the Federation teams, starting with the Borg team. Well, there's something that the Borg team did that might be controversial. They made a dilemma, and that's the first card that we're going to talk about. Uh, well, I personally was looking and expecting an event, but uh, I don't mind it being a dilemma. I mean, most things that kill people in, in Trek is or dilemmas, so it kind of makes sense. I understand that the teams were uh, kind of trying to keep their whole focus in mind, so making it making this card a dilemma is just fine if they're thinking long term to make sure that their complete set is is complete. I, I'm not a big fan of this card, but I understand where, where where they're coming from. My real problem with this is that it, it doesn't even do anything with the Zindi. It just targets the missions. Since they made a planet mission in the Delphic Expanse, any deck could run those four missions and get a good number of kills with, with a Dilemma out of it. It plays into their mechanic, which was the region Delphic Expanse, so using the Zindi is going to be the best progression for using this dilemma, but the dilemma doesn't have anything to do with the Zindi being in play. So this this dilemma could just be splashed into any deck that's running Delphic Expanse missions and kill two, three, four people. They created an event that essentially spreads the Delphic Expanse. I don't like cards that play on missions. It's sloppy for gameplay, and you have to get them out of your deck, and if you don't have a way to download them, sometimes you can get screwed. The The problem I have with this card is, is that I understand where they're going going with this big huge Zindi super weapon that kills half your away team, but if you if it's limited to just the region delta expands, well then it's kind of a focus. It's a very powerful dilemma but focus. You're not necessarily gonna see it in every deck because you have to run a specific set of missions. Well this event makes that dilemma just ridiculously powerful because you can literally just splash it into any deck where you run one, maybe two Delphic Expanse missions, one maybe you plan on doing, one's just your fourth buck mission, and then you throw a couple of work, the, work of the Guardians in, and all of a sudden, by the time they get to their planet mission, and they're, they're ready to start work on their planet missions, or their second or third missions, you've got four Delphic Expanse missions, and now the Zindi Super Weapon just, just kills half your way to I don't like the interaction between the Zindi Super Weapon and the work of the Guardians. Well, not to mention that you can also use that card without running any Zindi whatsoever. I can use that card in any number of, of cheeseball decks to shrink the span I need to use to move back and forth between my missions. It might have been better if they uh, kept that event just for planned missions. Because we already have nothing expand space missions. I understand what they're trying to do, but by not requiring Zindi to play it, it's just open to abuse in all sorts of decks. In addition to creating the event that expands the expanse, they also created a Delphic Expanse planet mission. Well, it's a pretty straightforward mission. I, I see nothing too terrible about the skills and nothing too too bad about it. The only thing that bothers me about this mission is, is that they've now added another, a, a, a 
attemptability to the game. If you look at the bottom, it says any affiliation except federation or enterprise may attempt this mission. That's not something we currently have in the game. I got a few problems with this mission. The first part is the, the requirements are the exact same as mining survey from the premier set. So you get a big thumbs down, you know, not being original and having the exact same thing as previous mission. The star requirements uh, require honor. And I'm thinking maybe it should be the opposite and require treachery because wasn't that the whole theme of that season that the, you know, they had to bend their morals or ethics and do things they didn't want to do to get the mission done. That's an interesting point. I'm a little iffy on the attempt, on the affiliation attempting myself. I don't think the mission should be open to all those affiliations, to be honest. I, I think it should be maybe non-aligned and Starfleet that can attempt it, or, or maybe even just non-aligned. I understand why they don't want to give that mission to the Federation, but the Federation can just run non-aligns and do it anyway. I'm just going to say, every Federation deck I build always has one yellow guy for another. It's not too hard to throw a couple of Trillian's arms and just see if you can attempt a mission. I also kind of think that it's it's a poor use of limited space. Because if they created an event that turns any mission into a Delphic Expanse mission, you don't really need a planet mission at that point. You know, that, that should that should be almost an inherent vulnerability of that deck, is that you don't if you're gonna run Delphic Expanse, you don't have a planet. You only have space missions and you need to use this event to get your fourth one. I think that's that spot could have been better used by another support card or, or another personnel even. They're a little redundant. With one exception, all of their personnel have benefits from being in or commanding region Delphic Expanse missions. I think their personnel base was pretty solid and I really like not like I said in uh, last week's episode that I like you know, I wasn't looking for a lot of text on on personnel. They didn't go crazy with the skills. I don't like it when guys have like eight skills. It's kind of silly compared to you know the previous sets. Yeah, overall, I, I, I like them. I also think that the the personnel are pretty solid. I, I like to see that that when you when you pay one for a guy, you get a guy that you don't necessarily get much. Uh, when you pay uh, two or three for a guy, you get a little bit more. And by the time you're up here paying five for uh, the deliberate thinker. That's his, his ability is pretty strong, but it should be because it costs a lot. They made a pair of non-unique personnel. They made uh, Grelick Durr, who I'm a little disappointed that he's non-unique. To be honest, he was he was somewhat he wasn't a major character. He was only in one episode, but he was the first Zindi that the Starfleet people interacted with that made them not like faceless evil bad guys. He was refining the ore that they were using to make the super weapon and he didn't know what they were using it for. And when he found out, he tried to help the, the Starfleet guys stop him by sabotaging the ore. So I mean, that was a fairly significant plot point. And I'm a little disappointed to just see him turned into a three skill, one cost guy. You should be satisfied with the, the paragraph of uh, Lover then. It's a, it's a freaking novel on there. Yeah, I thought it was just fine because he was just in one episode. I mean, yeah, he was a turning point character, but something's got to represent the commons indeed. Well, their other non-unique was the, the insect, which, and I have to give them credit for a very funny name. They named their insect Click and Clack. That is quite hilarious. Um, he's a two cost guy, three skills, base attributes of Three three three, but he he's pretty easily going to turn into a seven 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 because you're really not going to use him if you're not running at least two or three Delphic Expanse missions and a couple of their uh, expanding cards. So that that's but close. This guy does, he feels just like the Founder Architect, where he's got a couple of crappy skills. Treachery means he'll be stopped by uh, an issue of trust. 
Uh, asteroid navi are useful, but not necessarily useful for the, for the missions that they're going for. But he's a workhorse. He's going to end up being a 777 when he's standing next to Dead Gray. He's an 888. So he's their Brennan staff. Does all the heavy lifting. There are not that many 777 people. Yeah, but uh, I mean, Founder Architect's a 10-10-10. Yes, but you have to have five events in play. All you have to do for... And this is missions that are automatically going to be on the table. You don't have to do any work other than building the deck to make him better. Sure. And there's nothing that your opponent can really do about it. I, I don't think uh, sevens are uh, that bad of an attribute. Like Once you get up to like eight and nine is when you should have to pay for it. But um, there's a lot of guys, but cutting seven who cost two, and you know Klingons have every guy who, who strength seven and eight. So uh, I don't think it's too bad. Well, they also created three of the Zindi Council members. Degra is the actual super weapon designer, and he makes all the others in the attributes plus one. Is there anything about that, that that bothers you? Or did you just think that was a good representation of the character? I think it would be better if uh, maybe it was just while facing Delonis, because then you're giving a chance to micro-team some missions. Yeah, kind of in a big way, too, because I mean, if that's just a blanket plus one, that means that everybody that you caught, you paid three for is worth three and a half counters. Everybody, if you pay two fours, you're two and a half counters. And as long as you can keep that person on play, all your guys are just flat out better. Dolim is the reptilian commander, and he has text similar to the new Kirk and a number of other personnel, where he can't be stopped while he's facing a dilemma at a region Delphic Expanse mission. There have been some controversial decks lately around people who can't be stopped. Do you think that that might be a gray area, especially on a non-aligned personnel? Yeah, he should possibly be cost five for that ability, but I don't think that if uh, it's that bad when someone can't be stopped. I mean, there's ways around it, and sometimes it can be your yeah, your disadvantage when that happens. All right. So the personnel that I that I had the most trouble with was the Fishman. Four skills, decent attributes, but a cost of five for an interesting ability. I actually really like this card because he effectively costs one if you're willing to play him on a turn where you're willing to draw four cards. He's basically uh, Nell Apgar on steroids. And uh, uh, no, Apgar is one of my favorite cards. I, I'm, I'm cool with the ability. All right, let, let me ask you guys a question. Both both of you guys are high-level players, experienced at the mathematics of the game and, and card advantages. What if I told you that they were charging you three for his ability? If he calls mm-hmm. three. In my opinion, if you took that ability off that personnel, mm-hmm. he would be a two-cost personnel, which means they costed the ability that he has at three counters. This is what jumps out at me, is, is we have These Are the Voyages, which, which is... It's not exactly the same as this guy. The same idea as this guy. But it only costs one. Whereas this guy costs five. It's not optional. The and difference it... is that with these the voyages, you are you may be able to get ahead in card draws with your cost one. If you have a, a cost five personnel, you're gonna get ahead of your card draws by only one card. Because it costs you one to play the card, so out of the five card draws that you get, you're really only getting four extra draws, but then you have to shuffle three underneath, so you're really only getting a net of plus one. If you have a cost six personnel, you're only getting a net of plus two, and that's forcing you to have a cost six personnel in play. I just want to give a thumbs up to the, the trek feel of this card. I mean, that's what those aquatics did. They, uh, they bided their time, they considered all their options, and you know that's what kind of like the card does, kind of like a mulligan, get four cards, you know, take four cards that you don't need to throw them on the bottom. Consider your options. Yeah, it's definitely good for card cycling. But like Charlie pointed out, it's not optional. It forces you to rifle through your deck. 
Is, is that ever is that ever a bad thing? I mean, you can always just take the same four you draw and put them on the bottom. Like this has no drawback in it of doing it. I like the trend tech sense of it. I like the concept of it. I'm just trying to point out that when you're designing cards, you have to compare what you're trying to do to existing cards that do the same thing. And I, and I don't understand how when Visa Voyages exists and costs one, this card can cost five. Yeah, but this this is a you're comparing apples and oranges. You got personnel who can do things later. Speaking of the aquatics, let's take a look at their ship. They created a non-unique ship, the card that you wanted to see, John, the, the big aquatic ship. I, I give a big thumbs down to the ability. I, I don't understand if you have all these region missions where flying around isn't a problem. you got to eat with the ship. Why do you need to play guys to it? I can just, you know, I can fly around. I go, I go wherever I want. I think it's sort of a nod to the fact that they don't have a Delphic Expanse headquarters. So you're going to have to play with a headquarters that's not in the Delphic Expanse, and their event doesn't let you play it on a headquarters mission. So the idea is you get the ship, you get some guys, you fly out into the Delphic Expanse, and then you don't have to go back to your headquarters anymore. My problem with this is you shouldn't... It's getting to have its cake and eat it, too. John's point's very valid, where you do have a whole bunch of range to fly around the, the, the Delphic Expanse where you don't necessarily need a lot of range. And then, and then the ability to report guys. I like, I like the feel, but I, I mean, I can see where this would be opened up to be a, a little bit abusive. I think the ship would have been a lot better if it was range six. Greetings. This is Harry Mud. I have hacked this transmission in order to bring you a stolen. 1E spoiler from the upcoming 1E expansion. This card is still in development and may change prior to its release. This is a dual dilemma called Important Guests from Deep Space Nine. It shows an image of four Federation ambassadors dealing with Captain Sisko with an exasperated Julian Bashir. The lore, ambassadors used to luxury accommodations are difficult to please while in the field. Commanding officers routinely assign their staff to placate the visiting dignitaries. A game text. To get past requires VIP or civilian. For each of your VIPs and civilians present, randomly select an officer or security personnel to be stopped. For more information on upcoming 1E cards, stay tuned. One thing we didn't touch on when we talked about the board cards was the species thing. The Zindi were five different uh, races of the same species, and there's a couple of different ways that that could have been represented in-game. The board team chose to make all their cards Zindi, Zindi species, which is an easy, nice, simple way to reference them. But I have a problem with in terms of its Trexen. The Federation team created them as Zindi-Aquatic or Zindi-Reptilian. So they're all different species. But they created a keyword. They used Zindi as a keyword so that they could reference all the personnel together via the keyword. Well, I'm not a fan of uh, any more keywords. It's just see they put two new ones, Counselor and Zindi. Uh, I don't mind the difference in the species, though it leaves them open for uh, racial tensions. There needed to be a way to uh, distinguish between the five uh, subspecies. Well, if you're going to call them all Zindi-something, the only real ways to reference them all together would be a keyword or an icon. Yeah, or, or you can go about it to, to what the board team did and just call, call them Zindi, which I, I think you, you kind of had to do. I, I don't know if there's any way to do it without it being sloppy. Yeah, I don't really have a problem with the extra keyword. A adding extra keywords to the game that are, are much less powerful than the current keywords we have, I don't have a problem with. There's a couple of keywords in the game that are, rep that are represented and are referenced by cards that 
make those keywords incredibly powerful, such as commander or general or, or, or some of the, some of the, the, the big, huge keywords. But adding a couple of keywords like host, we're not going to rock the, the game boat very much by adding the game. And it really does bring the, the Zindi together. The problem with giving them all the same keyword as Indy is that now you, you left the door open for them to get murdered by uh, the captain's guest. They're, they're not like an overpowered affiliation like the Borg or Federation. You're, you're giving them a, a big whammy from the get-go by giving them all the same keyword. Well, it's interesting because the Borg team really took the approach of trying to create a way to build a Zindi deck to make their personnel. You want to use them all together. You want to use their missions and their support cards and build a de- an entire deck around them. Whereas the, the Federation team didn't do that as much. They made a bunch of Zindi, and there are advantages to using them together, but none of their personnel abilities matter if they're all used together. I, I almost think that the, the Federation team didn't need the keyword on there as much as the Borg team needed a common way to group them all. Although the Borg team didn't really reference their, their species or their, their keywords or anything either. They just made them all work in the same mission, the same region. The Federation created two events, one interrupt, five personnel, and a ship. Almost the same spread as the other team. They didn't make a mission or a dilemma. Let's start with their events, starting with the Zindi Council event. It's kind of worded funky. Uh, like, it's a little forced. And I just don't see the overall advantage to it. And you know, later in the game, as I draw it and spend it, yeah, if I need one certain guy... Good. Yeah, I actually think that this card should be cost zero because when you play it, 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 it has the feel of like if wishes were horses. It's like paying cost plus one to download the personnel, except now you have to have both, you have to have both the personnel in your deck and the event in your hand to do it. I don't agree with you, Neil, on that. I think it's costed just about right. On effects like this, you want to make it so that the first time you use it, it's more expensive. The next time you use it, you're about breaking even. And then the third time you use it, you're coming out ahead. Nathan Samuels is a great example. He's a one-cost guy. If you take his ability away, he's a one-cost guy. But you're paying for his ability. So I'm paying four counters to get all of my other non-humans to come into play cheaper. So up front, I'm taking a loss. And then I play a non-human, and now I've I've made some ground up. And now I play another non-human, and now I've broken even. And from that point on, every non-human I play, I'm coming out ahead. You have to make an investment up front to get a benefit later. So I don't really have a problem with the cost on it. I do, on the other hand, have a big problem with the cost on the next one, which is their super weapon. I don't have a problem with the cost on the super weapon. I have a problem with the last sentence. It's cost nine. So you got to figure out some way to spend two more counters or some way to reduce the cost of your events by two. That part's hard. It is it is a mid to late game card, so you do have to have a bunch of Zindi in play to, to do it. And you do have to stop your guys. So if, if we're talking a mid-game uh, play of this card, you might be ruining your mission attempt for this turn because you may only have nine or ten personnel in play. If you have to stop three of them, you might not have enough people to attempt a mission, or you might not have the right people because you have to stop a set of people, or th- this card could cost you an entire turn of counters and an entire turn of play if you play it too early. So on top of having to ha- having to lose an entire turn of counters and somehow figure out how to spend two extra counters, uh, you also have to stop a, a bunch of guys to do it. It could cripple your opponent, or it might not cripple your opponent. If we're talking a mid to late game card, your opponent may only have nine cards left in their deck because all their personnel are already in play. Yeah, you just deck them out. That, that's that's good, but but they have all the tools that they need to win the game. 
in play already. So it's it's a difficult card to use, but very much fun. The problem I have with it is is it, the last sentence is remove this event and all copies of this event you own from the game. Where it, it doesn't specify where. So if we take the text on the card, you would just remove them from your hand. It doesn't say remove this event and all copies from your draw deck or discard pile. It just says remove all copies and doesn't specify a location. That just defaults to the cards that you have in your hand, so you could effectively play this more than once. Uh, well, hold, hold on. I'm getting a call from uh, 1994. It's a uh, first edition. This card is a big Stephen pile of monkey crap. It's, uh, it's a mess. It's poorly worded. It's confusing. I don't know. There's there's parentheses. Uh, it's just a it's a nightmare in my mind. Plus, we have to take into account the the ramifications of adding another nine cost card to the game. It's already uh, with the Frankie event and Gorgon. I mean, that's at least for no matter what, you can only have three nine cost events. If we make it six, I mean, it, you know, now you know more people are going to be stocking Gorgon. That means you're going to have to have a defense for it. Now, i got to put nine cost events in my deck to counteract if someone's running that. Then you get into the rock, paper, scissors nonsense. I mean, it's just going to open up Pandora's box of, of, of bad stuff. There's just there's no redeeming quality about this card. It's just, it's just not good at all. I will say that I, I really appreciate the attempts to make Trek sense out of, it, out of the storyline. You know, you can't have Earth and you can't have any humans. I, I think that that's too complicated and it makes for a, a poor card. But I like the attempt on there. I think just not commanding Earth would have been fine. Here's my problem with this, and it's all about the cost of this card. Why would you make a card you can't possibly play without jumping through a bunch of hoops? The, because the, it's really scary and bad. Okay, the, it's not really scary and bad. It's not. And all it's going to do is never get used. All right, you have not, you have nine slots in a 45-card expansion to sell people on these on these new personnel and make them want to play it. Right, but all this all this says is now you got to go figure out a way to spend more counters on each turn. So you're either going to get this to drop in, well, you're not going to get it in TNG decks because they said no Earth, but it's going to go in a Romulan deck, score five points to spend out what costs, and you got to jump through all these hoops to get this and to get that. I have a theory that they were thinking about the the Guardian's Advice card, which is you put a dilemma under to spend two extra counters or something like that. Well, that requires three AU personnel to play. None of the Zindi are AU. They didn't make it a sphere builders or anything. So there's just a, I mean, this is just going to frustrate people because they're going to have to try to figure out ways to spend all these counters. To be honest, there are easier and better ways to make you discard cards from your deck than this. I suppose that is a very good point. With a good, solid, fast Galvatron deck, I can get nine cards uh, either out of your hand or off the top of your deck pretty quick. They did some really nice stuff in their cards, too. Let's take a look at their interrupt. United We Stand. They were the only team to make an interrupt. This is a pretty good yeah. cheater. I, I love this card. As much as the other card uh, was terrible, this one is really, really good. It's short. It's simple. It's not too strong, but it's really good. So overall, I, I think it's the best card in the set. Yeah. When I first looked at it, I saw that the effect lasted at the end of the mission attempt, and I got a little bit scared for a minute. But then I kind of drilled down a little bit and figured out that you're probably not going to get more than an attributes plus three plus four out of it, so it's not like it's breakable and you're going to all of a sudden get attributes plus ten or something out of it. So it's just a, it's just a good cheater when you need to cheat around a dilemma, and maybe you get a little bit of bonus for the mission also. This is the the best example of all eighteen cards of encouraging you to play the Zindi together. So let's move on to their personnel. As we mentioned when we started talking about the Federation, 
they created a counselor keyword. Unfortunately, they didn't use it anywhere, even on the event called Zindi Council, ironically. That, to me, is a serious misstep. Yeah, I agree. If uh, you're going to make a keyword, uh, at least use it. I, I don't see why they even bother putting it in. Well, remember that the, the arcing challenge is to create a 45-card set, and we're only creating a part of the set with this challenge. Perhaps they have a plan in mind to use the counselor uh, keyword in later cards. With that in mind, they did make a card that says Zindi Council that doesn't reference a counselor. I've told the participants at least more than once that they're going to have the chance to revise the cards between challenges before the final expansion is delivered. If they weren't going to put a card in this set that used it and they want to use it later, then they should have added it later. Being on here is just, it's a waste of space and it's a waste of time. Sure, well, let's move on to the actual text. And it looks like we can actually take and consider a couple of these cards at one time. Because I see basically the same ability on a bunch of guys here. So I see Degra with the same ability and Janar with the same ability. Dolan has a very similar ability. The Thoughtful Representative also has a, has a similar ability. And that is to absolutely, positively punish micro-teams. I'm going to give him a thumbs up for, for going with that team, but uh, I'm not a big fan of how they did it. I mean, do you need five different ways to kill one strategy? I don't think so. I just need, I think you just need one way to kill a strategy. And you can maybe put that on a non-unique ship. If you're going to go with it as a team, I'm thinking, why not make it eight or less personnel? Make that the overall Zindi team go with like a full team or they're going to be punished. And when we're looking at this, this ability that they put on both Degra and Jenar, while your opponent on your right's mission, uh, personnel begin a mission attempt involving uh, less than six personnel, you may draw three extra dilemmas. When I look at this person, he's, he's cost four, but he comes with seven skills, pretty good stats, and a, and a command icon. Already, he's a good he's a good personnel, so how much are they really costing this ability? I'll tell you what I have a problem with, and I'm, I'm actually shocked they did it again. But in at least... Two of the challenges in phase one, the judges were extremely displeased to see cards that did something that never had to leave the homeworld. And I can play Degra and Janar in my homeworld, and they never go anywhere. And anytime you go with less than six people, it's plus three, plus three. And there's really nothing you can do about it. We don't like abilities that broadcast from the homeworld. And here we get four of their five personnel with abilities that broadcast from the homeworld. Well, well with that ability, I think we'd have to broadcast it, but... Like I said, I, I don't think you need five people that's all uh, uh, all trying to kill the same strategy. I think they nailed the skills. I like the interpretations of the Zindi race's attitude in terms of adjusting that mechanic. There's no reason for me to ever play these guys together. If, if I'm trying to punish micro-teaming, I would, just, I would probably just run Degra and Janar and that's it. And, and maybe one or two copies of the, the downloader event so that I could go get them whenever I wanted them. This is just off the top of my head, but if it said, when the opponent on your right's personnel begins a mission attempt involving less than six personnel, you may draw an extra dilemma for each Zindi present. Now I've either got to invest a bunch of them and leave them sitting in my home you, world. You, you, would, you would be right. It would just be a completely worthless ability that no one would ever use. It would encourage you to use all of the Zindi so that all of these guys, their ability is really weak if you just throw it in any existing deck. But it gets really strong when you use them all together. Yeah, their ability may broadcast from the home world, but... You're talking about getting five people, that's four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and that's fourteen counters. That's two whole turns of dudes just sitting in your homeworld. 
just that you can punish micro teams, or you can just focus your deck on the Zindi, and they're the guys that you actually use to go out and do missions. I, I think they just might have focused on micro teaming a little too much. You're taking all five of your guys, and you're putting all your all your eggs in one basket, and I, I don't know if that was the way to go. Let's take a look at their ship. They created the same ship that the other team did, the Aquatic Cruiser, although they made it unique. I, I like it, but I just don't see the Trek feed in it. I don't understand how the Zindi, uh, how that fits in with their, their, uh, their storyline. It, it kind of begs to be uh, used with no win. Yeah, I actually kind of like the ship, but I kind of don't like the ship, and I, and I don't like it because of something Brad said. Brad said to me at some convention that events are too powerful in this game, and they're made to be destroyed. That's why there's only a couple of different ways that you can protect your events. And they're really only on a couple of affiliations. Events in this game are generally made to, to be destroyed, either by yourself or by your opponent. So this ship is just super easy to just toss in a deck. It's, it's range 6, so it's kind of a low range, but it's not really all that bad. And it just has to be staffed at an on-headquarters mission with no other ship around. I mean, that's not... Uh, unless your opponent really, really sends his his his, his ship out to, to block you, you're protecting all your big events. I, I don't think it's horrible. I like everything else about it. You know, it's on three staffing icons instead of four like the other teams. I agree with that, and it's uh, a cost less. Uh, I prefer their ships to be not unique because they're, they're, in a sense, a, a sub-affiliation. Yeah, it, it, it leads to some possible shenanigans. Uh, yeah. Shenanigans that anybody in, in any affiliation can use, but other other than that, I thought I think the ship's well balanced. Yeah, maybe maybe they should have thrown in, you know, if you have five Zindi aboard the ship or something like that. At least that. John, you're gonna have a, a task ahead of you over the weekend to come up with some more detailed comments for the from the judges. But overall, how do you feel the teams did interpreting the Zindi? Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching the creative process from the beginning. I, I liked it when I, I first uh, decided to take a look at the board team, and the first thing I see is, uh, let me let me see here, quote, screw Corbett and what he wants. So uh, I, I rather enjoyed, uh, gave me a good laugh. I won't, I won't hold that against the rest of the team members. Uh, Hoss Drone there seemed a little stressed out during this process. Then I, I took a look over at the Fed team. They seemed a little disorganized. At least Hoss Drone on the board side which seems to be taking the lead. On the Fed team, I, I, I didn't know who was leading, you know, someone's got to step up and, uh, and run the show and coordinate. The board team had their stuff. Everything, see the Fed team was a step behind. Every time the board got something done, it took a day or two later for the Fed team to get their thing done. Or, you know, organization, uh, teamwork, I think the board team gets the nod. The Fed team, maybe a little more creative. They went for some things a little more, but uh, I, don't, I don't think, I think it was a little bit of a rush job and wasn't as good as it could well, I will say it was interesting to see how the teams organize themselves. The, the The board team definitely did a, you know, they worked out of like three threads. They had one thread where everybody put their ideas, and then they had another thread where they voted on the cards they wanted, and then they, you know, did some revisions, and they were done. The Federation team had a, a separate thread for each different member of the teams and their cards and all the comments for those cards, and then they did this this complicated plus one, minus one voting system, and then they did their, their final votes and refinement of the cards. I will give the Federation team credit. They're the only team that I've seen do actual meetings. They, they got on the vent and talked to each other about the cards, and that's pretty impressive considering they have a heck of a time spread. And, and the Bajoran team in phase one, of which four of the, the members of the same, did the same thing. So 
it, unsurprisingly, the 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 Federation team sort of adopted the Bajorans methodology, and the the board team adopted the Romulan team's methodology. And it's interesting to see how they'll adapt it because they have more people than they ever did in the last phase, and they have a lot more to keep track of. So hopefully they'll they'll be able to learn from what they did and make some positive changes and move forward for the next challenge. I, I gotta say, I look at these cards and I think back to the the first couple of challenges, and these every single card in this set is head and shoulders above the cards in the in the in the first two challenges. Both teams really have, have started to take the advice and the, and and the, the building exercises to heart, and and they're starting to build some cards that that are really exciting to read and see. I actually can't decide which team I like better. I think the board team seems to be a little bit more refined uh, as far as the cards go, but I, I like the, the, the building of the Federation team, uh, how, how the cards all work together. I, I, I think probably if I had to, to pick a team, I'd probably pick the Federation team, but not by much. The, the cards on the board team just feel like they, they're built a little bit better and they're costed a little bit better and there's nothing... There's nothing that I see that can be abused or be completely broken about any of the cards. But all in all, I thought both sets here were really just fantastic. John, did you enjoy your experience as a guest judge? Uh, other than listening to Neil ramble on, uh, it's been a great time. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us, John. It's been very enlightening, and I look forward to reading your comments, and I'm sure all of the teams do as well. Everyone, we need you to go out and vote for the winner. The voting is done via the front page at www.trekcc.org. Look for the challenge number five, Your Votes Needed article. You can cast your vote and change them anytime before Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's all for our ninth episode of Make It So. On behalf of our guest judge, John Corbett, I'm Charlie Plain. And I'm Neil Simmons. And in the immortal words of Captain Picard, Make It So. podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike License. For more information, visit www.creativecommons.org. Some of the music in today's podcast is brought to you podsafe-free from Mevio's Music Alley. For more information, visit www.musicalley.com. Make it so. The search for the next assistant game designer is brought to you by the Continuing Committee, home of the first and second edition Star Trek CCG. For more information, please visit www.trekcc.org, www.trekcc.org. Neil, you are the worst Trek player, poker player, board game player. You are no good at nothing. Well, there has to be something nice you can say about him. Ah, well, at least it's not that house.